Listener Production. Hey, Tom Tilly with you for today's briefing. And we're looking into the reasons why young people are losing trust in government and media. The gap between millennials and Gen Z is stark. Given the fact that millennials are now in a position where they will essentially be the next leaders of our country, the generation to follow them in Gen Z is the most distrusting. So we'll find out why trust is evaporating amongst younger people in today's briefing. First, today's headlines with Katrina Blowers. It is Valentine's Day, Tuesday, February 14. Well, 15 years on from the apology to the stolen generations, Liberal leader Peter Dutton has said sorry for boycotting it. I failed to grasp at the time the symbolic significance to the stolen generation of the apology. Opposition leader Peter Dutton in Parliament yesterday. He also said the PM, Anthony Albanese, should trust the Australian public with some more details on The Voice in order to bring them along for the ride on the yes vote. So it's not the first time Peter Dutton has said that he Mm. regrets not saying sorry at the time. Um, Interesting, I guess, that he's bringing it up again now and, and making such a heartfelt apology again. Yeah, well, yesterday was the anniversary of the apology. So, yeah, good on him for stepping up and saying that. Um, To me, it it struck quite a conciliatory tone and gave me a bit of hope that he might ultimately get behind the yes vote. Um, Hopefully, you know, him and Albo can work out behind closed doors, I think, probably for the best, what level of detail is the right level of detail to take to the Australian public rather than arguing about it in public and destabilising support for The Voice. And there's been a miracle in Turkey overnight. A seven-month-old baby has been pulled from the rubble alive, and that's a week after the two earthquakes. So that is incredible. The death toll keeps going up. It's at 33,000. And the UNA chief, Martin Griffiths, says the rescue phase is now coming to a close with humanitarian efforts now being focused on survivors. Frustration against the government there is growing, and the nephew of an Australian man, Ken Pahali, who died, has said everyone's angry. My uncle could have survived. There was someone calling out from that building. He was calling out. Yeah, so that's the nephew, Ilias Pahali, on ABC. He flew to Turkey to look for his uncle. Um, At this point, it's understood two other Australians were also killed. Controversial brain surgeon Charlie Teo is facing a week-long public hearing in Sydney following the deaths of two of his former patients. Now, I'm hoping that justice will be served today and, you know, I mean, we'll just see what happens. We'll see what happens. That's Teo outside court there. The Healthcare Complaints Commission is examining whether to reprimand Teo and place conditions on his practising certificate. So Teo is currently banned from performing certain surgeries without getting written approval. And this is as a result of restrictions being placed on his medical licence and he is seeking to have them overturned. The hearing heard from the husband of a former patient, a woman he operated on with stage four brain cancer in 2018. She died in 2019. And her husband has told the hearing, Tom, that Teo had not told them about the risk mm. of damage during surgery saying they'd been warned there was a 5% chance of death. Uh, T.O. came under scrutiny following complaints from other surgeons. Full disclosure, one of my very close girlfriends has been operated on by T.O. Mm. Uh, it was one of those cases where 
no other surgeons said they'd do it. He said he would. Mm. She had to give an upfront cash payment of quite a large amount. But in her case, it worked out and she's still here today. Uh, yeah, it, it is easy to see why he causes so much controversy. Yeah, well, I think that anecdote sort of sums the whole thing up, that he tanks on high-risk surgeries. So what that means is it could go either way. So for people where he's been able to save their lives, they are really loyal to him. And you saw that there were sports stars there at the hearing yesterday. Steve Waugh and Anthony Mundine were there just in support mm. of Charlie Teo because Steve Waugh, for example, credits him with saving his wife's life. So... That's why he's controversial um, and a real crowd splitter because he tanks on those high-risk surgeries. And yesterday was a tough one for the Aussies playing in the Super Bowl. Uh, the two Aussies in the Philadelphia Eagles unfortunately lost. Going to throw it as far as his arm can take it, which is well short. And the Kansas City Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57. Yeah, so the Kansas City Chiefs got up. So the two players, Jordan um, Malada, who's the former rugby league player, he made a solid contribution in defence. But sadly for Aaron Sipos, the former AFL player, um, he made a disappointing kick, which was a turning point in the team's two-point loss. And not only did Rihanna give a strong performance, she also revealed during the show that she was pregnant again. What a baby reveal. Can't top that Instagram. Rihanna's just put a new bar up. You know what else I loved? So we were talking yesterday that Rihanna wasn't going to get paid. No halftime entertainment uh, performer gets paid for, for doing that gig, which is weird. I guess they see it as you get such exposure and flow and effects for album sales, etc. However, she did have a bit of a moment where she paused, pulled out a compact from her own beauty line, uh, Fenty, and started blotting her nose. So product placement in her own show. And given that commercials are worth something like $7 million each for placement in the Super Bowl, I love that little cheeky moment from her. Yeah, might have paid for her, her lighting guy and a bit of production. Who knows? <laughs> All right. In just a moment, Antoinette is bringing you this really interesting interview about declining levels of trust amongst young people. So when I meet a group of people for the first time, like I'll often jokingly say something along the lines of, oh, and um, you can trust me because I'm a journalist. And it always, like pretty much always gets a laugh. But something I've noticed in recent years is this like real and tangible and growing resentment and distrust of the media as a whole. So more than ever, I feel like I need that little icebreaker. And it turns out that no, I wasn't just paranoid or getting overly sensitive. Aussies are increasingly turning away from once trusted and respected institutions like government and media, and, and they're looking for leadership and solutions elsewhere. The findings of the latest 2023 Edelman Trust Barometer paints a, a pretty concerning picture. Australians are more polarised than ever and businesses are far more trusted than the government and the media to take a stance on social and political issues and, and to come up with solutions. So let's unpack what's driving this shift. Tom Robinson is the Australian CEO of Edelman, a global communications agency that has been running the trust survey for several years now. Tom, thanks for joining us. 
Firstly, I want to know why you do the trust barometer. What does it what does it help inform? I think it's important for on a number of levels. Firstly, as a society, where are we heading? What are the challenges that we're facing? And how are those that we deem in a position of power responding to those challenges? Again, to the benefit of us all. Secondly, for business, to understand how the country is feeling. What are the influences? What's shaping discourse within Australia? But also what's shaping opportunities and how should we be responding to that? Uh, What findings this year have surprised you or perhaps bucked a trend? There's a couple in there that surprised me this year. Firstly, I think given 2022 was supposed to be our rebound from the pandemic, that obviously didn't materialise in the way that we thought it might. We also saw this huge onset of both global and local economic and geopolitical challenges. Locally, we had severe weather damaging the East Coast consistently, particularly in the first half of last year. And then we saw the economy start, or economic fears, I should say, start to take hold. And that really kind of gripped the nation. And I think the rebound that we thought we might have in 2022 didn't come to effect. So overall, uh, we've seen trust in our institutions continue to decline for the second year of running. So Australian people and the Australian nation are overall distrusting. And that puts us alongside the likes of the US, the UK, where when we take a step back, we might have otherwise thought that they are countries facing deep divisions, deep polarizations, but actually we're not that far behind. So I guess I'm after a bit of context. How are we doing now compared to a couple of years ago? Have we always been this distrustful? In short, no. So in the last two years, we've steadily seen this decline as economic fears have kind of increasingly gripped us. And it's really the economy that is a driving force uh, and a huge influencer of trust. I think economic prosperity, economic optimism, when they all uh, remain quite high, trust in our institutions remains quite high. Unfortunately, as we've seen over the last nine months, that's not necessarily the case. Interestingly, and you know, perhaps concerningly for someone like me who works in the media, levels of trust in business in Australia, based on the barometer, are higher than trusting government and media. That's correct. And I think it, broadly it comes down to the response um, and how businesses are being seen to respond to some of our key societal fears and our existential fears in the last 12 months. One example of this would be January 26th mm. as a date. And in a recent podcast, you had Tila Reid talking to the fact that businesses are now stepping up and taking small steps to address some of the challenges around that particular date, mm. more so than government. Mm. And when it comes to government and media, what we start to see is an increasing distrust simply because people don't trust the information which they're being served and they don't see action taken off the back of that information either. Action earns trust and within that action or inaction is where we're seeing the declines. Surely now that means um, businesses are set to feel some of that pressure. Is this a, a tricky or an exciting time to be a business leader? I think it's both. There are new existential fears that Australians are all facing. Probably unsurprisingly so, we're seeing energy shortages, food shortages come to the fore in that regard. Most surprisingly, though, we saw nuclear war 
nuclear war was the biggest existential fear that Australians now hold. And as a business leader, it's easy to sit back and think that these challenges that we have in our society are too insurmountable. And trying to understand and chart a course through those is not the role for me. However, as I mentioned, as we've seen with January 26 is a really good example. There are small steps that can be taken incrementally. And I think we start to see that within the research bore out. You know, people expect of business leaders to treat employees fairly, to act on climate change, to address the wealth gap being created, and also take action against anti-immigration and address immigration in a more positive way. I think the generational divide um, is an interesting one and the role that Gen Z play in that. Generational divide, I think it's easy to dismiss, but millennials are the most trusting generation that we see when we break down into four generations of, of boomers, Gen X, millennials and, and Gen Z. The gap between millennials and Gen Z is stark. Given the fact that millennials are now in a position where they will essentially be the next leaders of our country, the generation to follow them in Gen Z is the most distrusting. That was Tom Robinson, who's the Australian CEO of Edelman. Now for a Gen Z view. Um, and who better to talk to than Zara Seidler? She's the co-founder of leading youth news service, The Daily Oz. She's also listed among Forbes 30 Under 30. Zara, any surprises for you in this survey? To be honest, no. No surprises for me. I think that uh, this really corroborates what I see every day, which is that there is growing distrust in major institutions uh, for Gen Z specifically. But I think what I found interesting and certainly what I see reflected is this growing trust in uh, in business and in the commercial leaders. And I think that that's the interesting thing to keep an eye on because I don't know if that will remain the same uh, in the years to come because I think that obviously business has led from the front and we see this in things like January 26 and, and the choice of employers to perhaps allow their employees to take those days off and and government not necessarily following suit. But I think as we start to see a rise in greenwashing, mm. Gen Z might become a bit more critical about the role of business and certainly large institutions like this in the years to come. So that's something I'm keeping an eye on. Something that stood out to me was that between Gen Z and Gen Y, there was quite a big disparity in trust levels that that millennials were far more far more trusting. And, you know, I am a millennial. It's kind of my job to hate on the generation <laughs> after me. Um, but why, why do you reckon there's that that disparity? I mean, I think that it, it's just about taking stock of our very recent history and, and really just observing where certainly the political class has gone in recent years and perhaps uh, also where the media has gone in recent years. And I, I think if we're to take media, for example, my generation grew up in the age of this native advertising boom where there was this real lack of distinction between what was paid for and what was organic content and what, you know, what was genuine news versus a listicle that had been paid for by your neighbourhood bar. And so I think for, for my generation who grew up solely consuming that sort of media, there has been this really 
significant lack of trust in media and what is separate between paid and organic advertising. And I think that that is really fundamental to a mistrust in media. Uh, And then I think for politics, it's fairly obvious to me, looking back over the last couple of years, that our political consciousness, for me, I'm 26. If I think back to the last 10 years, it has been, for want of a better word, disastrous <laughs> when we look at, at, at um, certainly corruption and the like in our political system. And I don't think that um, we should for any second try and change or suppose that this trust or lack thereof is complacency or not caring about the political system because young people care. There is no apathy. They care a lot, but I think that there is a lot to be done in growing that trust. In terms of politics, if we're to look at the US findings, trust in government has increased slightly over the past couple of years. Um, I'm, I'm putting that down to potentially a changing government. Mm. Do you think that now that we have um, a different government in power, that we may be surprised by findings um, next year and the year after? Look, I don't have a crystal ball. I think that uh, seeing strong leadership on uh, an anti-corruption body, for example, and and stamping down on things like jobs for the boys, uh, I think that that will certainly lead the way. But when we look at the last election, young people were really turning away from the major parties. And so if anything, I, I don't know if it'll be a change in government that will increase that, but rather a growing dominance of minor parties and independents that seem to reflect the needs and wants of young people in a way that the major parties are really struggling to do. I know my first reading of these trust figures, I was a little bit disheartened, but then mm. something in me flicked a little bit. I was like, no, like, healthy amounts of scepticism and distrust can be good for democracy, right? I agree. It can. And and look, if nothing else, room for improvement. And I think that it should be a wake-up call to institutions that you can't just expect trust, Mm. that trust is something to be built and that it can be as quickly destroyed as it can be built. And that's something that I keep top of mind in trying to build a new media business is that trust is the most important thing that you can have in your relationship with an audience. But it can be destroyed with one bad mood, with with one bad decision. And so I think that that is something to keep front of mind is how fickle it can be and how easily it can be taken away. Zara Seidler is the co-founder of leading youth news service, The Daily Oz. She's also listed among Forbes 30 under 30. There's so much to unpack there. I do agree that a healthy amount of scepticism and distrust is good. It keeps individuals and institutions honest I do wonder, though, how much poor media literacy and disinformation plays in this kind of level of disruption. Uh, One of the things that the survey also revealed is that, yes, that we are trusting employers and businesses and people we know more, our friends and our community. But that also begs the question, what kind of information are they sharing? You know, I've related to lots of douches who send all sorts of inaccurate and, you know, wild things on family WhatsApp groups. And so I think there's a real danger when we don't have reputable and trusted institutions, public broadcasting, for example, governments that are that are beholden um, to the public, that are publicly funded, that aren't for profit, more than ever, those institutions need to do their job. But it's hard to, to cut through all of that noise of misinformation and disinformation. 
there are so many different competing players for our attention, for our hearts and our minds. And I think that's a big factor in this media literacy um, and the growing threats of misinformation and disinformation. Listener.